Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this podcast in one of various ways, but the most popular ways are you go to lordgaul.podbean.com. Uh, I upload to my blog usually once a week. I had a gap last week because I was promoting a professional wrestling event, so I used all of my space, uh, my social media space, to sell that event. Uh, but back at it this week, uh, and the most efficient way to get the show is to enter Warman Kickfighting Show into the iTunes search engine, and the show pops right up. Very simple show today. Talking about glory. Glory's going down. Um, it is Glory Seven Seven Rotterdam is a card that I'm grateful that was able to come together. Uh, they are doing their best. I, I mean, they have been committed to Holland. I think it's because they have a lot of their production there, and it saves them money as far as you know bringing out you know uh, what the feel of the actual look of the show of the the production is. Um, so, uh, you know, your walkway, your rings, your, you know, all that stuff. But the reason why I'm glad for it is because they ran into a lot of trouble that they had last time. Uh, last month, the trouble was, uh, the country, um, went ahead and implemented some lockdowns and that prevented some things from happening. And Gloria was able to work around it and still do a show with no audience. And, uh, they were able to make it happen. And that was cool. So this time, same thing, another lockdown. Uh, not as much. It looks like some of the people are free and and uh, you know still able to move around in certain areas of Holland and and. Uh, but the big thing, of course, was the flight restrictions. So Holland is looking at other countries in the world, determining uh, their ability to successfully you know navigate their COVID situation. And they deemed Brazil was not one of those countries, so they weren't going to let anybody into their country from Brazil. Um, the uh, rumors, of course, happened a few days ago. Um, but there had already been one lost fight uh, because of the restrictions for Itay Gershon. was supposed to fight uh, Giri Belay, and uh, Gershon wasn't able to get out of Israel because they locked down everything. No flights in or out, so he had to stay. And uh, the rumor was, was that going to happen to... The pairs, you know, both uh, Aline and uh, Alex, were they now going to be eliminated from being able to get into the country? Turns out, as the rumor was going on, they are already flying and on their way. And, of course, I cracked the joke online to just fly them into Germany and then drive them up because it's not that far. But um, looks like they made it and uh, looks like everything's a go for this weekend. So should be good and I'm excited to see the car. Let's go ahead and start from the bottom up. Muhammad Bali uh, will go on against Martin Pesace, our Pesis. This is in the Plaries, uh, the um, uh, preliminary card. I've seen Martin a few times because he's fought on both Infusion, and I want to say I've seen him once on, on, uh, on uh, um, oh gosh, on uh, Premier, I want to say, but I've definitely seen him fight several times. Muhammad Bali, this is a new opportunity for me to see him compete. He's a Dutchman, uh, a... Um, Talented heavyweight guy. I'm excited to see what this one looks like because last time I was dead wrong when I picked the preliminary fights. The guy who was the last moment replacement came and fought the fight of his life, fight of his life, and he's ended up being victorious. So I am going to leave that open. I've got no idea who's going to win this one, but I will say I have seen Martin, uh, you know, fight several times. So he's going to be a tough out for anybody. Next, we move up to light heavyweight. We talk about Luis Tavares. He goes against Zanegi Abenia. Awesome, awesome fight between two legit guys at the top. Your title 
challenger should come from this. Uh, clearly, it's easy if it's Luis Tavares. You know what I'm saying? If he wins, he'd already been in glory. He's got a few wins since he was the infusion champion and moved his way over uh, you know, uh, to glory. He's been in some close ones. He hasn't been blowing people out of the water necessarily, but he's been getting his hands raised. Tough guy. Uh, Denegia Benal, very young. You know what I'm saying? Still 24, 23 you know, years old. Like, young guy. So he's got, like, plenty of time. Fallen uh, Pereira for the um, 205 interim title. And I was there that night. It was a big, big, uh, excuse me, for Alex Pereira. 205 for the, you know, title that night. And it was a really good showing and spots from him. I could see the game plan that they're playing with. Bars trying to work on the body of uh, Pereira and then kind of build on big offense later. And it did slow him a little bit. But in the end, Alex Pereira is in form, uh, best in the world. Uh, you know, in his weight class, moved up. He's He is making his legacy, as I say. Cedric Dumbe, same thing. They're in a spot where they are making their legacy. So not only are they the best in the title holders, you will remember them for this period of time. And Denegi just ran into him during that period of time. So still a talented guy. Him and Tavares are going to put on a great fight. Uh, Tavares, of course, uh, good Good uh, kickboxing, good movement, finds his offense. Uh, doesn't have the most pop, but he's definitely a consistent scorer. Abenya has more pop, and he gets more confident in his combos if he can hit you and realize that there's some effect to it. So it's going to be a really, really great fight. I'm excited for that one. Then we have our first world title fight. Uh, of the, We've got uh, Tiffany Van Seuss. She goes against Alain Piera. Van Seuss, of course... Uh, one of the great female fighters of her era. Clearly, she's got the back and forth, uh, you know, the losses to uh, Mexen. Uh, she redeemed the last one, and uh, she's talented. She, she, she's super talented. She's uh, going to be tough for anyone. Pereira's got the length, and she's got the long offense, and she can definitely play with teeps and body kicks and step knees. The level of competition compared to, you know, her last win like, was Crystal Lawson. To go from Crystal Lawson to go to Tiffany Van Seuss is a huge step up. Crystal Lawson just getting into her pro career, like Aline was just getting into her pro career. But Aline is talented, uh, long, but she has not seen the best kickboxers in the world. Uh, I will give her the credit that she had. Uh, she she does hold a physical advantage in the weight class. She's extremely long, and she's tall, and she's got some thickness to her. Like She will be tough for someone to handle physically as she stays in the weight class. But it is so tough to get a hold of Tiffy Von Seuss. You almost never see her get hit with combos. Uh, she moves really well. She finds her low kick. She's hard to find. So uh, she'll be moving, playing with low kicks, looking for her overhand game. Uh, she'll have Lucy and Cor Corbin in the corner again, I believe. So they'll be ready. Should be an interesting one. But I will say Pereira has got a uphill you know, mountain to climb against Tiffany Van Seuss, who really is one of the best resume female fighters of all time. Then we move into the tournament. Rico Verheerven goes against Hezzy Hegas. It's so crazy how this fight came together. So first, of course, we have Rico Verheerven supposed to be in a tournament uh, against Jamal Ben Tadiq. That is not going to happen. J Jamal is dealing with some back injury, uh, so that fight is going to be postponed. So instead of trying to find a replacement and just going with another you know, a uh, person to fight for the title, they instead decided to go in the direction of a four-man tournament, which works for me because Rico is super in shape. 
Uh, the more he fights, the better. He's a super talent. He's very, very good. I'm always excited to see him perform. Um, great. His his talent hands up, or, uh, stands up in any era. He is a super talent. So I'm definitely excited for Rico and what's coming from there. Hezdi Hergez, I really got to give Hezdi credit. I joked about this on Twitter, but it really is true. This guy, if you include his MMA fights, he is 3-7 and seven in his last 10 fights. You know what I'm saying? If you... Uh, if you include um, the Bardahari situation, uh, because Bardahari definitely you know won the scorecards and then they had the no no contest, but like if you look at that just off of wins losses, um, Hezdi has had it rough lately. He moved over to MMA, has a stoppage loss and a decision loss. He's been in a rough spot, but goes to the press conference, uh, starts yelling some curse words, gets under Rico's thin. They decide that make that fight happen. That is huge for Hezzy's career because at the very end, you know, most people kind of ride off into the sunset without that other opportunity. And no matter what happens on this night, he's really going against the guy. Rico's beaten Hezzy twice already. So it's like he earned himself an opportunity uh, after Bellator didn't work out, after his first, you know, glory run didn't work out. Uh, excuse me, his second glory run didn't run that work out. His first one at least had a win here and there, but... Uh, he got to be at K1 at the very end of K1's run. It just didn't work out for Husdy, but he's been game and he's fought everybody. And uh, he talked himself into a big opportunity here. So shout out to him, and I'm happy for him. Uh, and Rico, of course, as I mentioned before, you are dealing with the best in the world, one of the best heavyweights of all time. So uh, should be a good one. It's interesting to see how this one works out. Tariq, uh, uh Excuse me, Babes will go against Levy Rickers. I wasn't so high on Levy being in this opportunity. Uh, I think that it's not so much his talent and his ability to be in the, the, the tournament, but I thought that they had a star, and I thought that they could start building on him with some single fights. I would rather like an Ishmael Lant or somebody be in this opportunity, just in terms of like if they use someone who is good uh, that will give resistance, I think that's better than using a future star already, like too early. So that's my first thought. My second thought as far as dealing with um, Levy Rickers is it's very much part of the history of kickboxing for someone to, at a very young age, go against the best. And uh, I've talked to, I've said this story a billion times and you'll hear it a billion more, but I look at Stefan Lecco and he talked about how when he went against Botter the first time, Botter was... 19 years old, and he hit him with a spinning back kick to the body. And then, of course, most people didn't see that one because it was on his showtime. Most people remember the spinning hook kick to the head that Bauer lands against Lecco later. But when uh, Lecco had won the first fight, he, they put the camera on me. He goes, hey, man, he's just a young kid. When I was 20 years old, I went against Ernesto Hust. And it's important for the history of kickboxing that someone young get the opportunity to go against someone great early on and then they can develop their brand after that but man it's i look at this and i go this is just one of those situations where he's in a tournament and maybe it is too early but the opportunity and the history of kickboxing this has happened a lot uh as for Tariq, Tariq, of course he is an infusion regular should be good they're very talented guys um it's gonna be good back and forth uh 
Tariq, I've seen him fight in Infusion. Uh, he's also got some fights floating around out there. Uh, he was a Melvin Manoff's uh, promotion, if I remember correctly. So that should be a good one. Uh, if I had gun to my head, I'd pick Rickers to go against uh, Van Hooven. And then Van Hooven, the longstanding champion, has a really good chance that he walks out of this tournament on top. Which, of course, would be a win for glory because it pushes their champion. But it's also a win for glory if Rickers wins. It's too early for him to be the champion, but it adds intrigue to the division, and it means that one generation can hand it over to the other. So both storylines are in play. It's so important that... Uh, so Remy Bojowski is one of the most important kickboxers of my era of watching kickboxing. The reason why is before him, it seemed like it was the same group of guys. Uh, Mark Hunt kind of got into the tournament on just uh, uh, red tape, if you will, like technicality. It was supposed to be Sefo. He ended up getting that spot because Sefo was injured. So his run wasn't so much turning it over to the next guard. Um, uh, Remy's run meant your LeBanners, who was still around, LeBanner, Hoost, Ayers. There's there's someone new to you know take the reins of where Kickbox is going to go. It was very important. He ushered that in. So we need, if it does end up being Levy, it's going to have to be something like that. The hope is he would be the person to usher in the next generation. So good stuff there for that tournament. We move on to Cedric Dumbe as he goes against Murphy Grunhart. They fought a few times. Cedric winning the first, Murphy winning the second. Stylistically, they do not put on the best fights. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, Cedric slows the game down, plays kickboxing. He usually has an advantage as far as scoring you know, on the scorecards. Myrtle, on the other hand, likes to play the power, the power, he patient, patient, finds his wide shots. He's able to have success with knees. Um, he can be walked down. He can be out kickboxed. But uh, Cedric, it just depends on which version of him shows up. If he's you know, upset and angry, and I mean, Myrtle will be fighting the same fight, and that's what happened in Chicago when Myrtle won the title. If he's clean and he plays the game, Cedric Dumbay is tough to beat. He is tough to beat for anybody walking this planet. That dude is good. So should be a lot of fun watching this one, seeing how it comes into play. Uh, but I definitely hope we get technical from both because if we get angry for both, we'll have a nasty fight like we did last time. Then we have Artem Bakadov versus Alex Pereira. As I mentioned before, Alex is in his prime, doing well, winning by stoppage. It's just really, really tough. But Artem Bakadov is so, so good. And I think people forget how good he is. Just because of the gaps, he's got the bad hands, and he'll usually go out, defend his title, and then be out for a year. But as far as skill goes, Artem Bakadov is that deal. He's an amazing talent. He's really, really good. Uh, he's got good kickboxing in the low-kick game. He switches stance. His defense is solid. Um, I'm curious how Alex's boxing is going to look against him, uh, but this is the fight. This is probably fight of the year in terms of the importance and the level of athlete it's just, I mean, I can't stress you enough. This is the best of kickboxing. It is our best. If you've never watched kickboxing before, this is a fight and an event to get just to see these two go at it. Because you really are seeing two guys in their prime, prime of their skill, going out there and performing. It should be a great one. So that's my breakdown of that card. Um, uh, other notes. Uh, K-Festo was moved officially. It looks like it's going to be a two-weekend deal. They're doing March 21st and March 28th. Uh, it is it's good for me personally. The reason why I like it is because I like the idea that the 
cards are so big that you do them over two days and that works just like how some people feel about WrestleMania. Like six hours, seven hours is a long time to be watching an event, so break that up. So they have broken it up, so that's really cool. I'm really excited about that separation. And then the other thing I would say, and again, this kind of comes down to being individual as far as preference goes, uh, I like that it starts the kickboxing year. Now, clearly, if it was in February, I'm good. And they moved to January, and that was fine. Uh, but I like that the first event of the calendar year for K1 is K-Festa. Um, I, I just feel like it's kind of like a uh, Daytona 500 for NASCAR. Like, you start the year off with your biggest event, and then everybody kind of watches how these athletes do after that weekend. So uh, I'm hoping that that comes together, uh, but it's a lot of fun, and... Uh, uh, no matter when it happens, they put together a great card. But they, they're sticking with the theme, Japan versus Thailand. So uh, it should be fun. I'm excited for it. So that will wrap up my show for today. I will be back next week. Uh, I wanted to give ample time to talk about shootboxing. When I talked about that, going to be my next episode. So instead of talking about shootboxing immediately, I'll go ahead and do the glory results next week. And then I will get into shootboxing in two weeks. So. Thanks, everybody, for listening. God bless, and I hope you are having a good one. Peace.